Welcome to Travels in the Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its Applications. My name is Peter Rowlett. This is episode 27. 27 is the first composite number not divisible by any of its digits. Regular listeners to the podcast may know that every month we try and get a maths news episode in, where we look at some of the stories that have been taking place in the news uh, to do with mathematics. Readers of my blog or followers of my activities on Facebook or Twitter will know that April brought the British Applied Mathematics Colloquium, the premier annual national meeting of applied mathematics in the UK, to the University of Nottingham. So for the Maths News episode this month, I, I'll let myself explain. So I'm here at the University of Nottingham with Oliver Jensen, who is head of maths here and one of the co-chairs of the British Applied Mathematics Colloquium. I'm practising that word. <laughs> uh, which ended two hours ago here at Nottingham. So, Oliver, what is the BAMC? It's the national meeting of the UK Applied Mathematics community. Um, and it was uh, initiated um, exactly 50 years ago in 1959. Um, and it's been going annually ever since. In the old days, it was called the British Theoretical Mechanics Colloquium because much of uh, applied mathematics was dominated by fluid and solid mechanics. But more recently, it's broadened its scope, and for the last decade or so, it's been called the British Applied Mathematics Colloquium, incorporating theoretical mechanics as, as part of its remit. And so, you know, nowadays we have about 300 people uh, every year who uh, assemble at one UK university, and it's Nottingham's turn this year. We haven't done it for about 20 years, so we're very pleased to do it this year. Um, and the meeting has. Um, a large number of contributed talks from postgraduate students and postdocs, you know, um, early career researchers of various sorts, plus established academics. Um, we also have um, incorporated within the, the BAMC a number of mini symposia. These are these are sort of small, focused meetings on on specific topics, um, where we've invited uh, speakers to come in, uh, and then. We've got so we've had so many talks this week uh, with our, you know over 150. We we had to run uh, to run them in in three days. We had to have parallel sessions, um, but then we've also had big plenary lectures that everybody's come to listen to by by some very distinguished international speakers. Yeah, I do think the because uh, the 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 contributed talks were 15 minutes, weren't they? Just about yeah. Which I, yeah, yeah. There are some sessions that were two hours long where you hear eight people present their research. I think that must be exhausting. <laughs> yeah, you certainly get a lot of variety. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> okay, so do you want to talk about meet the mathematicians? Yes. Okay. So to proceed the the BAMC, uh, we had a day of uh, rather different talks aimed at uh, sixth form students, um, and so we organised um, four invited talks, for reasonably short talks. Um, on on a range of different topics, and the, and the purpose here was to was to tell people who are doing A levels and thinking about their degrees and, and possible career choices about some of the different uh, and rather diverse areas in which mathematicians work. So just to, to you know, illustrate, we had a talk uh, from Stephen Coombs here at Nottingham on the geometry and pigmentation of seashells. So that was a very nice illustration of, of how seashells, sea sea creatures, uh, use. Uh, pattern formation processes to, to, to pig, pigment their shells, but also how there's very nice geometrical structures involved in the, mm. in the shells. I had another talk from uh, another Nottingham 
uh, academic called Keith Hockcraft on networks and, and particularly about the things like the structure of the internet. Uh, and then two talks on, on rather different applications, one by uh, a chap called John Roberts who designs roller coasters and things like the, the London Eye. Um, so it's, it's you know, a really nice way you use mathematics and some rather interesting engineering applications. And then a talk from um, Oliver Harlan, from, who's from the University of Leeds, on the maths of gloop. Uh, it's how you use mathematics to understand the rather peculiar flow properties of, of polymer mixtures and solutions. Mm -hmm. And then to finish the, the day off, uh, we had a, a, a long lecture from um, Professor John Keating from the University of Bristol um, on something called the uh, unreasonable effectiveness of mathematics, and he was reviewing a, a famous essay by a very famous uh, mathematician called Eugene Wigner, um, which really was um, quite rather deeper in some senses than the, the applications uh, topics in, in terms of the... It was more looking at the foundation of the uh, of, our, of our whole uh, mathematical theory and how we use it to describe the natural world. I guess the, the, the issues were it's, it's remarkable how effective mathematics has been in describing many um, phenomena around us uh, and how uh, mathematical developments uh, have been used to develop physical theories. You know, calculus was used to develop mechanics and vectors and matrices have been used to develop electromagnetism. Uh, complex numbers and matrices have been used to develop quantum mechanics. Um, and they've all been remarkably successful. And Wigner's question was maybe they've been, we should be worried about the fact they've been so successful. Um, um, because what, why, why is it that they've been so successful? So that, that was uh, really quite interesting. And of course, the, we, some of the issues that we heard more about at the AMC this week in, in applications like in complex systems and biology, mathematics is really struggling to de describe those systems. Um, okay. uh, and then, so then we move on to the, the conference proper. Yes, yeah, so, so, so then I, I'll tell you a little bit about the... Uh, the, f the five plenary lectures we had, um, which it, just to give you an idea of the sort of diversity of the different areas that we, we heard about, the, the, the first lecture was by Professor Franco Brezzi, uh, who's a, a great expert in scientific computation. Uh, and here the challenge is when you're, you're solving very complicated um, differential, partial differential equations. Um, in, in very complicated geometries, you, you, you have to do this with computational methods, and, and there are some very well-established methods, for example, the finite element method, where you chop your, your spatial domain up into small regions and then reconstruct solutions um, by uh, expressing them as sums of what are called basis functions. So it's a, it's a very effective and flexible method. But he, he was uh, discussing an alternative method uh, which has got uh, two rather fancy names. One is mimetic finite differences, or the other is a, a, a co-chain approximations, um, where you can use um, when you when you chop your domain up into into units, they have rather more complicated shapes than you would normally use in a finite element method. Okay. And the, there's a rather nice uh, terminology he uses. He's, he's called them patahedral, uh, patter being like a potato. Right. <laughs> so you you know you. In the same way, a potato can have sorts of exotic shapes, um, so, so can these elements. And so he, he describes some very um, clever techniques that have been used 
um, to solve hard problems on in complex geometries using this this technique. The second talk was by Michael Brenner from Harvard University, uh, and this was a nice talk with a sort of biomechanical theme. Um, he's been with his co-workers. They've been looking at uh, fungal spores. This is the way a fungus uh, reproduces itself. It has to eject spores, which can be carried by the wind. Mm. Um, and obviously there's an advantage evolutionarily if you can get your spores carried a little bit further than uh, other species, because uh, you have a better chance of, of propagating. So he's been looking at the mechanical features that might optimize spore spreading. And so the sort of features they've been looking at is... Uh, when a spore is ejected from a fungus, it's actually sort of propelled a bit like a bullet. There's a very large pressure that releases the spore, so it gets fired out of the fungus at quite high speeds. Um, and the idea is that if the fungus has to fire the spore a nice long distance away from itself so it can be carried, picked up by the, the, the breeze and carried away. Yeah. And so they, they wanted to know what, you know, what... If you look at the shape of all the different fungal spores, um, are perhaps... Uh, are these shapes optimum in the sense of having the minimal drag so that they can travel very fast? And so his co-workers have laboriously studied the shape of fungal spores and found they're remarkably close to the optimal shape. Mm -hmm. um, so that was, that was a very nice uh, and rather unexpected uh, application. Yeah. We had another um, talk with a, with a biological theme from Alan Gorielli from the University of Arizona. Um, he talked about it, this is really a talk in, in solid mechanics, but, but um, thinking about how solid mechanics nowadays is having to address some of the challenges found in specific, particularly in, in biological materials, but not exclusively. Um, one of these issues is something called residual stress. Um, there's a, a nice way of understanding this, is if you take a slice of rhubarb um, and slice it right down its middle, the two halves of the rhubarb will, will, won't stay straight. They will bend uh, away from each other. Uh, what that's telling you is that there are stresses actually built into the stalk of the rhubarb, which are only relaxed when you cut it open. Um, if you actually take, s slice the skin off the stalk of the rhubarb and, and look at the, the slices of the skin compared to the core, you find that the, the core, the pith, actually extends uh, by itself, whereas the strips of uh, the, the skin will contract. That, that says the outer strips of the rhubarb stalk are in tension and the bit in the middle is under compression. The combination gives the stalk um, extra rigidity. Right. Um, so somehow the rhubarb grows and it builds in these stresses through the, through the growth. So there's um, some interesting mathematical questions for how you actually handle a description of the growth within the frameworks of uh, elasticity and then how you understand um, the, the resulting residual stresses and also the fact that the materials have complex nonlinear properties. Um, and then the f f we had a further lecture from Pamela Cook from the University of Delaware um, talking about uh, flow properties of um, something called worm-like micelles. She talked about the flow of uh, solutions of worm-like micelles, uh, and these are uh, materials that can contain uh, molecules that self-assemble into long chains, and then the chains all get entangled, a bit like spaghetti, and there she gave a rather nice 
uh, analogy, if you pick up spaghetti with uh, uh, a pair of forks from a saucepan and you want to trans transport it to your plate, uh, initially the, 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 eulogy, the um, spaghetti will stick in a nice clump between your forks, but by the time it's got to the plate, most of it will have fallen off, uh, fallen out of this clump, and that's because the, um, over a short period the, the, the spaghetti behaves a bit like a solid, but over a long time it turns into more liquid properties as all the spaghetti chains disentangle. Uh, and so she described mathematical theories that have been used to, to model the behaviour of these rather exotic materials, um, focusing more on solutions of worm-like myself than uh, explicitly <laughs> a spaghetti. Um, and fi we had, a, a finally, a very uh, interesting lecture from Bjorn Sandstetter, who's from Brown University in the US, on um, pattern formation. So he described a, a variety of pattern-forming systems um, which exhibit localized structures. So you might have, a, um, for example, a, a pattern of... Uh, a convection pattern. Um, when you heat a liquid from below, you can you can generate sort of rolls or stripes or hexagons, and um, there's a very well uh, he heavily investigated pattern forming system. But people are still trying to understand the stru the mathematical structures that uh, explain how the, all these patterns form. And so, in particular, he was talking about situations when you have a region where you have a few hexagons or, or rolls confined in a, in a small region with, without very much activity beyond. And it turns out to be remarkably intricate, and he described some of the sort of generic uh, mathematical structures that underpin uh, these different sh shapes that you see. Okay, and then did you want to talk about the mini symposia? Um, I'll, I, I, can, I can tell you the um, uh, among all the different mini symposia, we had, we had a broad range of different topics which I can tell you about but I um, wasn't able to go mm. to all of these because these were in parallel sessions so um, I'll, I'll just t tell you the titles but one was on quantum chaos and disordered systems we had one on scientific computation one on cells and networks stochastic systems and uncertainty approaches to nanofluidics that's fluid mechanics at very very small scales uh, on optical uh, nonlinear optics and optical coherent structures uh, delay and difference equations, regenerative medicine, solid, one on solid mechanics, and then we had an additional one on mathematics education. So we, that was not really on uh, mathematics research as such, but on um, the issues that uh, we all face in universities and teaching mathematics to undergraduates. I hope you enjoyed listening to that. All of the talks at Meet the Mathematicians were videoed and will appear in time on the website at www.meetmaths.org. I posted some extra information related to this episode as show notes on my blog. You can get the link and download other episodes via www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. You can find out more about my work with the IMA by following me on Twitter, where I am Peter Rowlett, R-O-W-L-E-T-T, or joining the Facebook page. Thank you for listening.